Welcome to Get This Shit, the bi-monthly podcast that answers the questions you've always had, but forgot to ask. Prepare your earballs. with me hey guys howdy howdy how are you i'm good how are you oh pretty good we are doing our first uh wake and bake session <laughs> of the podcast yeah i bake cinnamon rolls cassie bakes something else yeah Mainly myself yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes well it's very easy nowadays with a new contraption that samuel got me uh it's a actual pin of the i'm trying to think of like a, a fun way to damage the <laughs> <laughs> it's you know it's kind of like a vaporizer pen of old but it uh does the trick friends <laughs> technology is wonderful yeah definitely for sure <laughs> <laughs> I'm staring into Sam's eyes and he's just like, uh-huh. <laughs> Got them dilated babies. Mm, it's more of Cassie's hobby than mine, personally. Yes, yes. No, he just bakes the goods. The baked <laughs> goods. And I bake myself, yeah, like he said. But, yeah, I'm trying to think. We've had a busy couple of weeks, to be yeah, honest. For sure. Uh, you guys may have noticed we released a little uh, late to our normal schedule. <laughs> Woo. And that's because I got an offer for a new job and I'm really excited about it. But I had to take care of a lot of stuff this week. And then also we had a surprise visit from Katie. Yay. Yeah. And I was able to do go to a concert with her and like I don't go to concerts with hardly anyone else Sam and I have been to like one concert together yeah I'm pretty people claustrophobic yeah you can shove me in a tube where it's touching every side of my body I'm fine put me in a large crowd of people I don't know and I'm about to start swinging elbows yeah (laughs) I feel that but I we went and saw the band Camino and it was at the Egyptian room which is a really popular place in Indianapolis, mm-hmm. uh, the old National Center or the Mara, some people know it as. Mm-hmm. But um, I, to be honest, we had like chicken wing room. Nice. Know, I could put my hands on my hips and I wasn't yeah. really bumping into anybody. In the middle of like the set, you know, people were jumping around and having a good time. But right. no, there were literally no shenanigans. And the last time you and I went was a Skrillex concert. <laughs> yeah. And you caught that girl from falling down a bunch of stairs. Yes. She was rolling. Yeah, she was. Yep. She might as well have been Ron roller skates. Oh, my <laughs> God. Her eyeballs. I was like, damn, I've never seen fucking pupils that big on a human. <laughs> right. Yeah. Poor thing. She also had knee high rainbow, neon rainbow yeah. colored fur boots. on. Yeah, she pretty did. Majestic. Yeah, they were. I, the crowd there was bitching. Mm-hmm. It was pretty awesome. Uh, there wasn't any drama at that one other than people just falling out because right, yeah. <laughs> fucking lots of a uh, lots of grinding 
<laughs> sure, <laughs> yeah. Grinding in that crowd. <laughs> well, and some alleged um, use of MDMA or ecstasy, and then you have a bunch of people huddled together. Yeah. With, Taking your body temperature up significantly is not good on that particular. Uh, Bro, yeah, <laughs> on that candy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I could not believe how the difference in the temperature change mm-hmm. from the back of the room because, you know, I have to pee every fucking three seconds. <laughs> so, and we were drinking White Claw, so that didn't help. I was trying to, like, pace myself and not just, like, drink. Because if I have a drink in my hand, I'm going to drink it. Mm-hmm. I have no self-control when it comes to it. So, and also, warm White Claw is fucking disgusting. (laughs) Especially black cherry. Like, it just tastes like disappointment anymore when it's warm. But in the middle of that crowd, I was like, ooh, doggy. Yeah. (laughs) It is warm in here. (laughs) Hmm. What else? So, new job. We're going to be releasing on Saturdays. Uh, that'll be in the morning. Mm. Um, surprise visit. What else? Oh, we uh, have watched a couple of good shows and uh, saw a pretty decent movie. Yeah, we sure have. What do you think, Sammy? Oh, uh, we saw the new Batman movie with uh, Robert Pattinson in it. Uh, it was pretty good. Yeah, it was pretty good. Yeah. He's quiet. Didn't have a lot to say. Sure. (laughs) Yes. Uh, Yeah, it was cool because they, in this one, they kind of focused more on Batman's uh, detective side. Yeah. Like how he's considered like the world's greatest detective. And they kind of hit on that a little bit more than they have in previous films. Yeah, the gadgets. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. He still had gadgets, but. Yeah, it was like it's set early in his career. Like Mm. it doesn't go for it. Which is nice that it doesn't go over his origin story because it's kind of like with all the iterations of Spider-Man sure. that we've had, we don't need to see Uncle Ben die again. We get it. If you don't know what's <laughs> yeah. happened, it's your fault. It's your fault. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. So yeah, like he's already established, but it's already, but it is early in his career. So uh, yeah. doesn't have a lot of gadgets. Is uh, He's still a young bat pup. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it was pretty good. Yeah, I didn't realize how long it was. Bro, it was long as fuck. But I mean, it's I was fine with it because uh, the main villain is the Riddler. And so the Riddler always being so convoluted and throwing, you know, keeping Batman on his toes. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. If any villain was going to get that long of a movie, I feel like the Riddler deserves it. Yeah, for sure. It was pretty decent. We saw uh, uh, one room theater mm-hmm. in my hometown with my parents yeah it was super fun to go to like the small town theater that everyone yeah. goes to like after church on sunday with their kids mm-hmm. who all uh the few which i was surprised to see kids in that because uh, it is uh-huh. a much more um adult batman especially yep. with like the action fight mm-hmm. scenes it's a bit more um Crunchy and real. <laughs> crunchy is a great word for it. Very yeah. crunchy. Yeah, 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 yeah. Their uh, sound farriers or whatever they are are very good. Mm-hmm. It's not sound farriers. No. Now I'm going to be thinking about it. Right, me too. Oh, there's a word for yeah. it. <laughs> and it's bugging the shit yeah, out we'll of me. We'll think of it. We'll think gaffers. No. Sound gaffers. <sighs> that's. I feel like I that's that closer. I know that is a thing. But that's not it. Oh. Uh, 
I know. No, it's right there. Foley artist. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Thank you so much. My brain was dying. Yes. <laughs> yes. I wanted to be a Foley artist for a long time. Ooh, I follow a bunch on TikTok. <laughs> Ooh, scratch that itch, huh? Yeah, so good. Gotcha. Oh, speaking of TikTok, real quick. Real quick. If you don't already follow pot roasts mom you should on tiktok unfortunately pot roast is a cat and that cat has since passed but she has an animatronic like for real friend that they're calling bot roast right now. <laughs> i did not know its name was bot roast yes and it like moves way more than the actual cat pot roast did mm. that was the joke that pot roast was taxidermy and wasn't really real well pot roast when it actually died you know people were like oh shit um jk jk that was a real cat <laughs> but Bot Roast moves around way more and it still scares Pot Roast Mom. She doesn't know all the things it does. So she's like, <gasps> some of the TikToks. <laughs> it's so funny. <laughs> um, oh, the other thing. Righteous Gemstones. Yes. If you have not watched this bish, start season one and just watch it. We finished the second season. It is fucking hilarious. Yeah, it's super good. It's on HBO mm-hmm. and it follows a family of like super popular uh televangelists and mega uh, Christians. Yeah, I mean, yeah, not necessarily like <laughs> televangelists, they're just like the leaders of a big mega church and yeah. their family and their own Joel Olstein vibes. Yeah, Joel Olstein um like T.D. Jakes, oh, T.D. Uh, Joseph yeah, yeah, Prince. Yeah. The, mm-hmm. There's quite a few that ben you could <laughs> name off of. Mm-hmm. Ben Hur. Yeah. It's like an old timey movie. <laughs> be- Benny Hinn. Boom. There it is. <laughs> <laughs> Did you see me looking? I was looking in my mind. I was like, do, 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 do. Well, I don't want to say anything fucking out of pocket, so. <laughs> No, yeah, Ben Hur is definitely an old movie. Isn't Ben Kingsley in it? Sure, I think it's he... been so long. I just remember there was like a quote unquote like epic chariot yeah. race yeah. in it oh, that yeah. was super totally like it was like the <laughs> super action packed car chases that you see in yes. movies now. Like back then, they were like, "Have you seen the chariot race?" And then like a few years later, it was like, "Oh." Uh, have you seen the car chase in the movie Bullet with Steve McQueen? And then now it's like Fast and Furious bullshit I where they're you. launching cars at submarines or I don't know. Uh, that one, uh, Live Free, Die Hard, where he launches the, the fucking the car into the helicopter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 yeah uh, it's it's a natural progression. It is. It is. <laughs> but no, so Righteous Gemstones. Yeah, it doesn't is... have any of the. Well, no, not any of it. There's mm. no launching cars at helicopters. No, there is not. But um, aside, it has its own explosive characteristics. It does. <laughs> John Goodman yes. is the head father, mm-hmm. and he the head father, the dad of everybody. Yeah, the patriarch of patriarch. the patriarch. I almost yes. said oligarch. <laughs> I mean, that too. <laughs> and uh, Adam Devine is in it. And what is his name? Jesse McBride. Danny McBride. Danny McBride. Fuck <laughs> yes. me. Jesse no. is his character. I Jesse. Okay. 
Okay. So you didn't yeah, mess it up that much. <laughs> good, good, good. And then I there's a sister. I don't know who she is, but she's fucking Yeah, she's been psychotic. in a few things, but she's yeah, hilarious. it's great. It's a very dysfunctional family that has a shit ton of money and isn't used to being told no. Yeah. Well, and like growing up in the church myself and like mm-hmm. being exposed to and uh, having gone to a couple of mega churches here and there, not nearly that big by any means, but like oh, yeah. large for like, a, you know, a city like Indianapolis. Um, some of the stuff in there is uh, gets a little too real where I'm yeah. like, it's gross. I don't like it. I don't like it. I don't like it. Like, it's funny and it's a well done satire, but <laughs> it's, it's uh yeah, like I said, sometimes it's just oof, hits a little too close to home, and yeah. I'm just like, yeah, this is one of the things I really don't like about you know all of that organized Christianity. Yeah, like yeah, doctrine of Christianity is perfectly fine. I don't have any issues with that because it's just like any other major religion sure. where it's like, mm, be cool to people, don't be a dick, yeah. love each other, be awesome. That's perfectly fine, but when you put it in the hands of people, especially when then you include money into it it kind of taints uh what's written in the actual scripture believe it or not so no way yeah Yeah, people start being taints that's what (laughs) fucking happens yeah uh so if you get a chance watch the righteous gemstones um what else sam no no uh we are friends of the podcast ann and isaac are coming oh, yeah. into town yes yes yes, yes. we're gonna go to the van gogh loom exhibit mm-hmm. we're really excited about that it brings his um paintings to life with lights behind them and things like that yeah it's, it's got like be... projectors yeah, set up and so it's supposed like to turn like his 2d paintings into like a 3d world yeah, an immersive experience yeah yeah so we're really excited to do that and yeah lots of uh, lots of stuff coming up mm-hmm. here soon i don't want to you know spoil it or anything stick around you clowns (laughs) (laughs) well samuel shall we kick off our related shits yeah yeah this is like the first time that we have planned a similar type theme subject we took took the same shit man Mm -hmm. (laughs) mm-hmm mm-hmm All right, so are you ready to get this shit? I am. All right, so what I'm going to be talking about today is the Bone Wars. Yeah. Believe it or not, it's not an adult documentary spinoff parody of Star Wars. Oh my God. (laughs) But I'm pretty sure there has to be a porn called the Bone Wars, right? I mean. Or at least Bone Wars. If it's going to be a Star Wars pun, I would think Star Wars would be more popular. I'm Mm -hmm. pretty sure I've heard that tossed around, mentioned at uh, some of the construction job sites I've been on. Oh, my God. Yeah. Not from his own research. Look, I don't want to talk about it. (laughs) Bleed the fifth. Moving along. (laughs) All right. So the Bone Wars, also known as the Great dinosaur rush was a period of intense and ruthlessly competitive fossil hunting 
and discovery during the Gilded Age of American history, marked by a heated rivalry between Edward Drinker Cope (laughs) of the Academy of Natural Sciences of Philadelphia and Othniel Charles Marsh of the Peabody Museum of Natural History at Yale. That name. Othniel? Othniel. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, it's... uh, I have not heard nobody name that since. Yeah. <laughs> Tried it out and they were like, ooh, no, no Makes good. Makes that no kid good. who insists on being called Nathaniel instead of Nathan makes him seem normal. Yeah, it totally does. <laughs> Excuse me, it's Nathaniel. If you've ever heard that in your life, I feel sorry for you. Me. Because I've been there. Yes, exactly. Oh, God. <laughs> Excuse me, I only um, use paper bags at the grocery store Plastic is harmful to the planet. Like, I just feel like it's that person. <laughs> They're the same person. Yes, for sure. Yeah. I would rather you kill the planet a little bit more. Yeah, by putting some chlorine in that gene pool. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> All right, so we'll start with Othniel. Othniel Charles Marsh was born October 29th, 1831 in Lockport, New York. Uh, He was born to a family of modest means. His father, Caleb Marsh, was a farmer, and his mother, Mary Gaines Peabody, was the younger sister of a wealthy banker and philanthropist, George Peabody. (laughs) Philanthropist. All I think of is Always Sunny. (laughs) When Charlie's on the date, I'm a a full-on rapist! (laughs) Excuse me, did you just say full-on rapist? (laughs) uh, no, no, like, I help, like, elderly ki- kids and, oh, a philanthropist. Yeah, yeah, that's what I said. <laughs> um, anyway, so Mary, Othniel's mom, uh, died of cholera when Marsh was less oh. than three years old. Oh. Yes. So, uh, Uncle George Peabody kind of took O.T., we can call him OT. I love it. <laughs> Took OT kind of under his wing and made sure that he was taken care of uh, and whatnot. So Very nice. Yes. So his uncle had the financial backing uh, for Marsh's formal education. Um, Othniel uh, graduated from Phillips Academy Andover in 1856 mm. and then went to Yale Uh, And got his Bachelor of Arts degree with honors in 1860. Uh, Marsh received a Berkeley scholarship from Yale and studied geology, mineralogy, and chemistry at Yale's Sheffield Scientific School from 1860 to 1862, earning a master's in 1863. Uh, He then studied paleontology and anatomy in Berlin. Heidelberg and Breslau Ooh. from 1862 to 1865, which uh, was convenient for him to be studying in Europe from 18 to 1862 to 1865 because some shit was going down in America, mm. also known as the American Civil War. Mm-hmm. So super mm-hmm. convenient for him with a rich uncle who magically sent him to study overseas. Weird. Yeah. Not a 
draft dodger. Right. It's not like, you know, mostly poor people are forced to fight in the wars that rich people start or anything. So Weird. It's fine. It's fine. It's fine. <laughs> it's totally fine. On his return to the United States in 1866, he was appointed a professor of vertebrae paleontology at Yale University. Mm-hmm. making him the first professor of paleontology in the United States. Ooh. The same year, coincidentally, the Peabody Museum of National History, Natural History, at Yale was founded with a donation of $150,000 from George Peabody. Wow. So... How kind. Yeah, so Uncle donates 150 grand to Yale, and Charles uh, Marsh is then made the first yep. professor of paleontology. Yeah. Oh. Hmm. So after receiving a $100,000 uh, inheritance from his Uncle George, Marsh then proceeded to go out into the field and start digging. So we're going to put a pin in that and we're going to go to Edward Drinker Coke. All right. Oh, Drinker. Oh, Drinky. Drinky. Little Drinky. Edward Drinker Cope was born on July 28th of 1840. He was the eldest son of Alfred and Hannah Cope. Uh, the death of his mother when he was three years old seemed to have little effect on young Edward. Oh, okay. Didn't give a fuck. Well, I mean, it's just, he mentioned later in letters that he just didn't remember her at all. Ah. He was three, so. Uh, his stepmother, Rebecca Bill, Rebecca Biddle, uh, filled that role for him. Yeah, <laughs> just a little biddle. <laughs> Uh, Cope referred to her warmly, as well as his younger stepbrother, James Biddle Cope. Uh, His father, Alfred, was an Orthodox member of the Religious Society of Friends. Oh. Also known as the Quakers. Oh, okay. Uh, His father operated a lucrative shipping business started by his father, uh, Edward's grandfather, Thomas P. Cope, in 1821. He was a philanthropist who gave money to the... (laughs) Every time, uh, I'm telling you. He was a philanthropist that gave money to the Society of Friends, or the Quakers, um, the Philadelphia Zoological Gardens, and the Institute for Colored Youth. Wow, that's a lot of wealth spread around. Yeah. Nice. So the Copes began teaching their children to read and write while very young and took Edward on trips across New England to museums, zoos, and gardens. Copes' interest in animals became apparent at a young age, as did his natural artistic ability. So Alfred intended to give his son the same education he himself had received. At age nine, Edward was sent to a day school in Philadelphia, and at 12, he attended the Friends Boarding School at West Town, so a Quaker boarding school. Fun. Uh, near Westchester, Pennsylvania. Oh, even more fun. Yeah, that's super... Um, in the Amish country. Happening in town. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, The school was founded in 1799 with fundraising by members of the Quakers and provided much of the Cope's family's education. The 
Stitch's school was expensive, costing Alfred $500 a year in tuition. My, my, my. Yeah, but I mean, at 12, in his first year, Edward studied algebra, chemistry, scripture, philosophy, grammar, astronomy, and Latin. Wow. So, yeah, definitely, yeah, you paid a lot of money for it, but it was a serious school that mm-hmm, was definitely mm-hmm. devoted to higher education. Um, Edward's letters home requested most was mostly requesting a larger allowance. Uh, no way. <laughs> showing that he was able to manipulate his rich daddy, and he was, according to author and cope biographer Jane Davidson, quote, a bit of a spoiled brat. A bit of a spoiled brat. Daddy, daddy, <laughs> I need more money. Yes. They have invented this new thing called almond milk, and it's more expensive than regular <laughs> milk. <laughs> you don't want me to be a soy boy, daddy. <laughs> <laughs> They're tur- turning the freaking frogs gay, daddy. <laughs> oh my <laughs> So... When he was coming home for the summer, his dad was having him work on a farm. Fun. Just, you know, one, because... Builds character. Yeah, exactly. Builds character, and apparently Edward was, like, a smaller boy, so he was hoping, like, <laughs> to try to get him to bulk up, fill Give out a some, little bit. Give uh, digging holes. Gives you muscles, boy. <laughs> yeah. Alfred, uh, I'm sorry, Edward was not a fan. He did not enjoy farm work. He found it boring he enjoyed his intellectual pursuits and this was just not it for him and his dad actually wanted him to become a quote-unquote gentleman farmer which is not the head of a male brothel gentleman (laughs) farmer now it's just like if you manage more than one farm like it's Making a business out of okay. farming, like uh, taking farming, managing farms, and yeah, what have taking you. farming sure. to the business world instead of just like I get Gentleman up and milk farmer. my own cows. And yeah, <laughs> he schedules the milkers. So Edward's like protesting this whole time, and then so Alfred finally gave into Edward's wishes and paid for university classes. Uh, Cope attended the University of Pennsylvania. In the 1861 and or 1862 years. Okay. Uh, Studying comparative anatomy under Joseph Lady, (laughs) L-E-I-D-Y. Professor Lady. Yes. Who was one of the most influential anatomists and paleontologists at the time. Uh, During this time, Edward had a job recataloging the herpetological collection at the Academy of Natural Sciences, where he became a member uh, when Lady urged him to uh, join. He was like, this is going to help you. It's going to help your career to network and yeah, uh, to join the Academy of Natural Sciences. So after Edward joined the Academy of Natural Sciences, he then went to Europe and studied more over there. During the early 1860s. Sound familiar? <laughs> I'm just, uh, they got really, uh, really good dinosaurs over across the pond. So right. I'm just gonna, <laughs> just gonna take a look. They need me to do it right now. So yeah, so Marsh had a rich uncle who sent him overseas. And Cope had a rich daddy who Baby. sent him overseas uh, during the American Civil War. Uh, Cope 
returned to Philadelphia in 1864, and his family made every effort to secure him a teaching post as the professor of zoology at Harvard College, Mm. a small Quaker school where the family had philanthropic ties. Not Harvard University, Harvard College. Harvard College, gotcha. Uh, The college awarded him an honorary master's degree so he could have the position. So... uh, And then once he has that position, then he also goes out into the field and starts Starts a digging, starts a digging, (laughs) which brings us to the Bone Wars, the Bone Wars, (laughs) which, like we said, was a rivalry between Cope and Marsh. So at first, the relationship between Cope and Marsh was amicable. Uh, They met in Berlin in 1864 and spent several days together. They even named species after each other. Oh, that's nice. Yes, but over time, the relationship soured due in part to both of their strong personalities. Mm. Mm. So, legend has it that the feud between the men began when Marsh paid some of Cope's hired diggers to send fossils to him and not to Cope. Uh, The two scientists had gone on a fossil collecting expedition to Cope's Marl Pits in New Jersey, where William Parker Falk had discovered the holotype specimen of the Hadrosaurus Falky, described by the paleontologist Joseph Lady. This was one of the first American dinosaur finds, and the pits were still rich with fossils. Though the two parted amicably, Marsh secretly bribed the pit operators to divert future fossils to him instead of Cope. Mm, rich guys doing rich guy stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, matters became worse in 1870 when Cope published a description of the Elasmosaurus, a giant plesiosaur. Okay. Which is the water-dwelling ones. They have, like... Kind of look like Loch Ness Monster yeah. is the plesiosaur. Yeah. The Pokemon. Yes. Kind of like that. <laughs> <laughs> so Cope uh, published this description mm-hmm. and Marsh gleefully pointed out that Cope had accidentally placed the skull on the wrong end of the beast. <laughs> no. He, he mixed up his ass. He, his <laughs> yes. He put the head at the end of the tail instead of the end of the neck. <laughs> Uh, Cope disagreed, and then they deferred to Joseph Lady, because he was... Oh, gotta call him the big lady. (laughs) Yeah, it's not over till the Joseph Lady sings. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Because he was a very well-respected paleontologist and Mm -hmm. anatomist at the time, and even though Cope studied under Joseph Lady, Lady was like, "Uh, yeah, you kind of put this one at the wrong end, my guy. Sorry, bud. (laughs) So, humiliated by his error in reconstructing the Elasmosaurus, Cope tried to cover up his mistake by purchasing every copy he could find of the journal in which he published the article. Oh, no. Yeah, uh, Marsh had a copy, so... (laughs) Yeah, oh, well. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Marsh, meanwhile, made sure to publicize the story. Uh, Look at this idiot. Right. (laughs) And Cope was a very prolific writer. Like, he was constantly, like, writing journals and articles and putting his material out there. And 
Cope's own rapid and prodigious output of scientific papers meant that Marsh had no difficulty in finding occasional errors which to lambast Cope. Uh, Marsh himself, though, was not infallible. He put the skull of a brachiosaur on a skeleton of a brontosaurus. Oh. The battle was on. (laughs) These dino wars are heating up. Oh, yeah. So... For the next 20 years, the two men attacked and slandered each other in print while their crews raced around uh, to find and describe the most and finest new fossils. Um, Each scientist hired field crews to unearth and ship back fossils as fast as possible. Now, Cope was more often than not, out in the field with them and had the crew send fossils back to, like, where his job was. Home base was, sure. to home base. But he was out there a lot. Marsh, on the other hand, spent most of his time at Yale. He he only went out in the field from, like, 1870 to, like, 1873. To where, like... Didn't like getting his hands dirty. I guess not. Um... So maybe Edward having that background in farm work may have been a little bit helpful, even though he kind of resented it. But yeah, so uh, plenty of people describe um, Marsh as an armchair paleontologist. Uh, Oh, (laughs) damn. You gonna let them say that shit about you? I mean, he's dead, so (laughs) this is later, not like... Not oh, like not during. to his fucking face. No, like looking back in history. I and thought on that his would legacy. have been a hella diss back in that it day. It would have been, but I mean, mm. fake bitches. So the rival crews were known to spy on each other. They would race around to every time they heard about a new spot where fossils had been discovered, uh-huh. and they try to beat each other to it. Um. They would even most of the time cope when he was done with a spot, he would dynamite the spot. I'm sorry, what? Yes, he would plant dynamite and blow up the fossil dig. Who the fuck are you using Alfred Nobel's bullshit <laughs> to fucking ruin history? Yeah, but I mean, so that way someone couldn't come behind him. Yeah, and, and be the- like, oh, more bones. Yeah, exactly. What the fuck? Sometimes they would uh, at night. Uh, dynamite the others dig site oh my (laughs) god and occasionally they would steal each other's fossils (laughs) yup all this time they were exposed to the harsh conditions of the american west and um the danger from hostile indigenous peoples who were like (laughs) leave those land bones alone yeah you know can't imagine they'd have any cultural significance to yeah, the people who've lived there forever or anything. Uh, forever and ever before you were here. <laughs> God. Okay. So there's a bunch of... So the more that you research the Bone Wars, the kind of more mundane it gets when you get sure. into it of like this person did that. It just gets so petty. It's kind of hard to decide what to include. But yeah. it's... Like, what I've described is just more of the same. They try to, you know, get each other's goat with this and that. And anytime they find a fault, they try to publish it. And 
so Marsh, like I said, since he was over at Yale, he had a guy named Powell who was running like his surveys out mm-hmm. in there. Uh, and Cope kept an elaborate journal of mistakes and misdeeds that Marsh and Powell had committed. Oh my God. I wrote down in my diary. <laughs> and Marsh had pissed off one, like so many of his close assistants sure. that Cope found one named Osborne and the two worked together. <laughs> and Cope turned to another ally that he had mentioned to Osborne, a quote, newspaper man from New York oh. named William Hosea Ballow. Mm. In the, uh, and he turns to him to write some articles about sure. from this journal that he's kept. So in the newspaper articles, Cope attacked Marsh for plagiarism and financial mismanagement and attacked Powell for his geological classification errors and misspending of government-allocated funds. Marsh and Powell were each able to publish their own side of the story, filing their own charges against Cope. Oh, my God. Ballow's articles were poorly researched, uh, written, and read. And Cope himself was smarting from a piece in the Philadelphia Inquirer, which suggested that the University of Pennsylvania trustees would ask Cope to step down unless he provided proof for his charges against Marsh and Powell. He said, oh, don't worry, I have receipts. (laughs) Marsh himself kept the, uh, the Herald story alive with a fiery rebuttal. But by the end of January, the story had faded from all the newspapers and little changed between the bitter rivals. Oh, and no one gave a fuck about dinosaur bones. Pretty much. Oh, my God. Uh, No congressional hearing was convened to investigate the misallocation of funds by Powell, and neither Cope or Marsh was held responsible for any of their mistakes. Jesus Christ. But some of Ballow's charges against Marsh came to be associated with the survey at the time, and many of Marsh's allies were retiring or had died, uh, lessening his scientific credence. So, like, it, it hurt Marsh's reputation, but it didn't, like, take him down, take him down. Sure. No pegs were lost that day. <laughs> I mean, pretty much. Yeah, over this period. Now, mm-hmm. both Marsh and Cope ended up devoting so much time and resources and money to this rivalry that they were both I wouldn't say destitute or poor but they were not rich by the time that they wow really they wasted all that wasted so much of it Cope uh, had to sell off most of his like fossil collections to keep himself afloat. Oh yeah. my god. And a lot of them actually ended up in Marsh's hands to be honest. Of course. But Cope also did like try to invest in like some silver mines that were profitable for a little bit, Ooh. but the thing about like if you're going to invest in mining, it's kind of like gambling. Yeah. In that you have to know when to step away from the table. Sure. Because I mean those Mines are not infinite. <laughs> yes. No wind for uh, And then when the last amazing part of this is oh, when no. Cope died, one of his last wishes was for his head to be 
measured and his brain to be measured. What? <laughs> and then compared to Co- uh, to Marsh's, when Marsh died, he was like, I'm going to have my head taken as part of scientific research. They're going to measure my brain because at this time they thought it, the bigger the brain, the smarter you were. Yeah, yeah, yeah. My brain weighs more than yours. I'm definitely smarter than you. Most definitely. So Marsh died. Uh, Cope died first, had his head taken for science. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, And then Marsh said, yeah, I'm not doing that. <laughs> he was like, yeah, catch me on the flip of that. No, thank you. <laughs> Uh, the Great Bone Wars or the Great Bone Rush will live long in paleontological folklore. It absolutely will. So me, so there's some good and some bad that came out of this. Like, for example, the bad, the two scientists work furiously to describe their fossils. And in their haste, they often base descriptions of new species on sparse material and sometimes mixed up bones from different animals. Yeah, so no like, way. with the fossils, you may also have like non-dinosaur bones yes. mixed in with fossilized bones. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, they also gave different names to the same animal because they mm. found... It's rare that you find a complete skeleton. Sure. Yes. In the field. So they would find this part of it enough to piece together what a new species. And then at a different dig, they might find another part of it and think that it's a completely different species. Sure. But it's when they put it together, they're like, ah, shit, it's the same uh, thing. That's just its head and ass. Yes. Uh, to give the most famous case of this, in 1877, Marsh hastily described a new species of sauropod dinosaur, which he named Apatosaurus. This description was not based on anything like a complete skeleton. All Marsh had at the time were some vertebrae and part of a pelvis. What the fuck? <laughs> what? <laughs> yep. Okay. So he, in 1879, he hastily named and described another sauropod, the Brontosaurus, also based on incomplete material. And in 1883, after more of the skeleton had been unearthed, he presented a full reconstruction of the skeleton of the Brontosaurus, which remains one of the most complete sauropod skeletons known. Wow. Not until 1903 did paleontologist Elmer Riggs show that the bones described as the brontosaurus and apatosaurus both belong to the same species of dinosaur. Yo, homies. Yeah. And by rules of scientific naming, the name given first given to a species supersedes all the others. So there is no such thing as a brontosaurus for all you dinosaur fans out there. It's just an apatosaurus. You can go to hell. <laughs> you can go to hell. You can die. And even though Jurassic Park disagrees with me, it's it, it's an apatosaurus. Listen. No. <laughs> um. <laughs> wow. Okay. So. Dis- Throwing out names left and right. Despite all the shenanigans, the feud between Marsh and Cope actually did benefit paleontology immensely. When... 
Marsh and Cope began to work, only 18 dinosaur species were known from North America. Many only known from isolated teeth or vertebrae. Like, they're like, oh, this vertebrae is huge, or these teeth are huge, and they sure. don't re- resemble anything that we found so far. So, that's how we were like, ah, oh, dinosaurs. <laughs> Here in America. Anyway. So, between the two of them, the two men discovered over 130 species of dinosaurs. 130. Does this include duplicate dinosaurs? No, this okay, is Okay, this like, is weeded out. Mm-hmm. Wow. So, Marsh, who described and discovered such famous dinosaurs uh, as the Stegosaurus and Triceratops. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Whereas Cope discovered like the Allosaurus, uh, which is kind of kind of looks like a smaller version of a T Rex with oh, uh, longer mm-hmm. arms, but they could jump really high. Allegedly. Yes. Um, he also discovered like the Diplodocus and um, I think the Pterosaur. <laughs> what was it that your mom kept saying? There's a book about a dinosaur. Yes, there is a children's book that our mom liked and showed us at one family gathering, and she called it the Dipolodicus. The Dipolodicus. And it wasn't until she was done like showing it to us, and I actually like looked over her shoulder and saw it, and I was like, oh, you mean the Diplodocus? <laughs> Sam was so put out once he learned, like once he saw the letter, he was like, God, son of a bitch. Well, I mean, me and both my brothers, we were all dinosaur kids growing up. Um, we were into dinosaurs. We were not She's actually just... dinosaur children. <laughs> <laughs> I beg to differ. I'm sure your mother thought of you as dinosaur children. Yes. Uh, so both made great discoveries of fossil mammals and other vertebrates as well. Wow. Although the, although not the first paleontologist to work in the quote-unquote Wild West... Marsh and Cope opened up the immense troves of fossils to be found in western United States. So you ask who won the Bone Wars? The real winners were the museums that ended up housing (laughs) the two men's enormous collections. Uh, Marsh's at the Peabody Museum and Smithsonian Institute and Cope's at the Academy of Natural Sciences in Philadelphia. These have remained a rich source of data for generations of paleontologists. Uh, Where Cope was a Neo-Lamarckian, which is a believer in inheritance of acquired traits. Um, Oh, okay. Marsh was one of the first Americans to convert to Darwin's theory of evolution. As it turned out, he also gathered an immense amount of data to support it. Darwin's book, Origin of Species, was published in 1859 during Marsh's senior year at Yale. In 1862 and 1865, Marsh traveled to England where he met uh, scientists such as Charles Lyell and Thomas Henry Huxley, and even Darwin himself. Uh, Marsh's enormous collection of fossils enabled him to fill a number of gaps in the fossil record that were troublesome to supporters of Darwin's evolution theory. Uh, His description in the 1870s of Cretaceous toothed birds such as the uh, (laughs) such as the Ichthyornis and the Hesperornis 
coming right on the heels of the discovery of the Archaeopteryx. Yeah. That one took me a second. Um, <laughs> filled in a major gap in the early history of birds. And in 1877, Marsh followed Thomas Henry Huxley's uh, hypothesis and became the second person to suggest the theory that birds were descended from dinosaurs. Oh, dino chickens. <laughs> So, yeah, there was a positive and negative to this uh, constant feuding. Uh, a lot of discoveries <laughs> have been made because of their work. But, uh, yeah, who were these are these two are considered like the fathers of paleontology in America. And they were yeah. petty bitches. Petty fucking schoolgirls. <laughs> so a lot came out of it. But, yeah, it's funny to think that these dignified uh Men of science. Yeah, men of science were such little... No, it's mine. I saw it first. No, you can't oh play God, with yes. it. Bah. Totally. Oh, my God. Didn't they have, like, a dirt clot war? Where yes. Where they threw fucking... <laughs> yeah. At Parallel Dig Science. Fuck you! Yes, yeah. They had plenty of... Hijinks and yes. shenanigans. Exactly. Yes. Many shenanigans. Oh, my God. Well, thank you so much for uh, filling us in on uh, how how the West was won. Yes. And if you <laughs> want to see this acted out, you can watch. There's an episode of Drunk History presented by Comedy Central Mwah. that uh, tells the story of a truncated version of the Bone Wars. Actually, I mean, they devoted more time to it than I did speaking. So it's actually a little bit more in depth. Than what I've said, but it's a very fun, colorful presentation. Yes. Of, uh, of this. Who are Marsh and Cope again? Um, I don't remember who Cope is played by, but I believe Marsh, it's Marsh. Uh, he's played by Tony Hale. Yes. Who is fantastic and things like Arrested Development and um, uh, Veep. Oh, and, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. For some reason, I think the other one is um, SVU hottie with the dump truck patrick mahoney no it's not a name oh uh no it's not it's not uh christopher maloney yeah that's his name but okay it's It's a a dude that kind of looks like him i think any hoozles watch it and you tell me you you tell us who's that dude and who does he look like okay thanks again sam yeah of course (laughs) Well, are you ready for uh, my dino story? Yeah. All right. Well, you may have had the fathers of paleontology, mm-hmm. but I am going to tell you and our lovely listeners about the princess of paleontology. Ooh, dino tiara. Dino Tiara. She is also referred to as the young Mozart of paleontology. Ooh. Today I'm going to be talking about Mary Anning. Okay. Have you ever heard of Mary Anning? Uh, I, I've heard the name before, sure, but sure, sure. not in a long, long, because I, the love of dinosaurs did not yes. extend as much into my adult life, but the name sounds familiar. Cool, cool. Well, there is a brand new 
movie about Mary Anning, but not really about Mary Anning. Okay. Oh, yeah. Uh, it is on Hulu right now. It's called Ammonite. Okay. After some of the fossils that she found. Oh, okay. Yeah, it has uh-huh. Kate Winslet in it. Okay. She's hot as that ever. That big, big hip girl. That that one big hip girl. <laughs> yes. Uh, but I am not going to say, like, go and watch it because it's more of like a dramatization mm-hmm. of her life. And the writers kind of take some things from her personal life out of context to... Fit a sexy storyline. Sure, yeah. They because uh, every lonely woman has to be a lesbian, right? Sure. We can't just be lesbians or lonely. <laughs> We've got to be both so together. So she got the Emily Dickinson treatment. She got the Emily Dickinson <laughs> treatment. Yes, sir. <laughs> so before they could do her so dirty, Mary Anning was born May seventeenth, seventeen ninety nine, in Lyme Regis, Dorset. So about like 30 years previous to my dudes. Yes. Yes. So if you don't know where Lyme Regis is, it's in England. (laughs) Uh, Mary was born to Richard and Mary or Molly Anning. Okay. There's a bit of a bit of discussion what her name actually was. When did she die? (laughs) Right. When when Mary Anning was three? No, no. (laughs) No. All right. Well, so Richard was a rub it cat- in. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck you. My my child's fine. <laughs> For a minute. Uh, Richard was a cabinet maker and he also enjoyed taking strolls on the beach looking for fossils. They didn't know that that's what they were okay. at the time. They just found these really cool, almost like seashell things. Gotcha. If that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mary had many siblings. It is noted that she had up to 10. Mm. But only her and her brother Joseph survived into adulthood. Woo! Yeah, I yeah. mean, for the late 17, early 1800s, uh-huh. that is not uncommon. Not uncommon. And despite Mary um, being struck by lightning when she was what? 15 months old. What? <laughs> she survived. God, God tasered a baby? Yes. <laughs> God tasered a baby. What the fuck? Yes. It killed three other people. The people holding her. What? Yes. And, but Mary was like, but I need girl But she's just glowing like lived. a nightlight. Yes. Yes, God tried to have a cadaver or whatever. Oh my God, I'm not a cadaver. Oh my God, no, that wasn't her mother. Like that's not her dad. All right, her 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 mother had an immaculate conception, and instead oh my of God, instead of Judeo Christian God, it was Raiden. Raiden, <laughs> I hate you. Okay, so like I said. Uh, Mary and Joseph survived to adulthood despite Mary being attacked by lightning. (laughs) And, um, oh, it's also hypothesized that, um, Ma and Pa Anning had a daughter named Mary before our Mary. And she died. Uh So they named Mary after Mary Uh and possibly after Another, Another Mary. Mary. Oh my god. <laughs> yes. So she's like married cubed. 
I think. Okay. That's three, right? Mary the third. But yeah, to the power of three. Yes. <laughs> All right. Oh I just, I love the name. And one of them. in her memory. One of them's going to make it. <laughs> yes, one of them has to make it. Well, that makes me think that her mom's name was Mary and not Molly. Me too. To be like, hey, we named I've just this seen it daughter. Both. Sure, yeah, we named this daughter after the uh-huh. mom. Uh, and, and then after. And then one died, and then it's like, oh, try again. Yeah. Oh, try again. <laughs> yeah. I wonder if she had the same middle name, or I didn't see anything. Middle names weren't like a thing for some people in some cultures. Sure. Any hoozles. So when Mary wasn't playing Odin around five or six, <laughs> she was often down at the shores and the cliffs with her father hunting fossils. At the time, they called these fossils curios. Okay. As in curiosities. Sure. So there were three main type of fossils that were found mm-hmm. on this beach. They are ammonites, which those are the swirly little uh, lobster looking babies. Mm-hmm. Yeah, if yeah. you've ever seen those, uh, they called them snake stones. Sure. And then there's bellumite. Bellumite. I can't say things. <laughs> it's fine. B-E-L-I-M-U-N-I-T-E. Beliminite? I don't Boom. know. Boom. Beliminite. Uh, these are the, um, I, they called them devil's fingers. They're mm. the stones. That's what they called me in prison. Yeah. <laughs> they sure did, didn't they? I still call you that big papa. <laughs> Ew. Ew. I know. I wanted that. I love it. I like it. I'll get you with my devil's fingers later. It's all right. Uh, and then they had vertebrae, and they called them vertebraries. Vertebraries. Yeah, love it. just because uh, how they looked. Who's the first uh, blackberry? All right. So Mary did not receive any formal education. In spite of that, she taught Good. her. <laughs> I hate you. In spite of that, she taught herself how to read and write. And she was especially interested in studying geology and anatomy. Mm -hmm. Like I said, Richard was a cabinet maker and he had a cabinet shop and often sold their curios after showing Mary how to locate them, clean them and polish them up. Oh, cool. Mm -hmm. Little side hustle. Little side hustle. Exactly. Well, Samuel... There's never a good origin story without a death, right? In theory. In theory. Suddenly in 1810. Oh, no. What about Twilight Sparkle? When Mary was 11, <laughs> her father passed away of tuberculosis. <sighs> I know. Unfortunately, this left the family in quite a bit of debt. Uh, Yeah, no kidding. No one's making cabinets anymore. Well, Joseph, Mary's brother, took over his father's shop. He okay. was an upholsterer's apprentice at the time. Gotcha. <laughs> and then Mother Mary mm. encouraged her daughter to start selling some of their Jurassic cliff findings. Mm. <laughs> In 1811, at the age of 12, Mary, aided by her brother, discovered a gigantic fossilized monster head. Ooh. Yeah. So technically, her brother discovered the head. Okay. And then later on, as they continued to uncover it, it took several months to dig out. 
but it was 17 feet all the way around. They dug. Holy shit. Yes. So 5.2 meters, Mm -hmm. an entire outline. And that is where they find. (laughs) (laughs) Many scientists thought that it was a crocodile. Okay. The mysterious specimen was studied and debated for years, found by uh, young kids. Right. And Uh, so it's like their standby me. Yes. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) It was eventually named the Ichthyosaurus. Boom. That one. Wow. Yeah. So Mary Anning and her brother were the first people to find this skeleton. And it's damn near fully Mm -hmm. intact. I mean, that kind of makes sense if it was... Did they find it on, like, on the seashore? Yes. On okay, the cliffs. So... They climb up the cliffs and on the beaches and search along those mm-hmm. areas. And they use the water to help erode right, yeah. the side. Right, right. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, but that also put it under less pressure than, like, ones under rock formation so i mean yeah yes so they're not moving around yeah so that totally makes sense that um that skeleton would be more intact if it was in the sand than in like a cliffside yeah 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 uh in 1817 the annings family met lieutenant colonel thomas birch and his wife they were there to Taking a bit of the sea air, mm-hmm. uh, Lieutenant... Did he also have tuberculosis? No, but Lieutenant Colonel Birch's wife was ill. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. she was basically like told not to like get excited. Gotcha. Yeah. So, got to be real calm. Got to be real cool. So, they went to Lyme Regis to take in some sea and some air. And, and she's about to see a fucking monster. <laughs> yes. Uh, so Lieutenant Colonel Birch was a fossil collector mm-hmm. and he was greatly impressed with all of the Anning scientific finds and he was moved by their story and their plight. The couple were vacationing by seaside and fell in love with the area and the curios. They began to help support the Annings and their amazing scientific findings. Aww. Yeah, he publicly attributed major discoveries in Lyme Regis to them and also auctioned off his own fossil collection to help support the family, including fossils that he got from the store. What a good dude. Yeah, right? Up next... In 1823, this is when Mary discovers a nearly complete plesiosaurus. What the fuck? So she's finding, um, like... Literally. Oh, my God. They went, oh! They just fell, and that's where they were. (laughs) Well, it's so rare to find complete complete skeletons, Mm -hmm. and you got this... Yeah. What, what, she's like, what, 17, 18-ish yes. now? teenager. Yeah, she's a teenager, and she's found two. Mm-hmm. A teenager that's never been to school. I There is no such thing oh, as paleontology. Been, oh, she's been to school. Uh, <laughs> school, school of Hard, hard knocks. knocks. God damn it. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. All right. So, uh, plesiosaurus means near to reptile. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the specimen was so strange, and before they knew it, there were rumors 
floating around that the fossil wasn't real, <gasps> that it was a fake. Scandalous. I know. They tried to give her a bone wars treatment. Oof. <laughs> it was such a strange. It's great for your skin, though. <laughs> <laughs> it was such a great uh, and strange discovery that George Cuvier, the father of paleontology, and I'm probably butchering his name. Cuvier? Uh, Cuvier. Yes, maybe Cuvier. There's an R at the end of it, and I'm not very fancy. I hardly speak English. So, <laughs> George Cuvier, uh, he d- disputed the find himself, seeing, like hearing about it and seeing it for the first time. Yeah, because he didn't fucking discover it, little bitch. <laughs> yes and no. But after a lengthy debate, and a special meeting that was scheduled through the Geological Society of London, mm. uh, Cuvier admitted to his mistake and said that it was real. Good. Yeah. Mm. Um, and by the way, this whole time that Mary is discovering things, people are finding out about it, Not nobody is given her credit, okay? That it is oh, usually yeah. whoever buys it from her. They are yeah. taking the credit oh for these different mm-hmm. discoveries. Sure. Yeah. The first woman wasn't allowed into the Geological Society of London until I believe it was 1904 that... or 1906. God damn it. Yeah. Bastards. Rude. Rude. That's fucking rude. In 1828, Mary uncovers a strange jumbling of bones okay this time it has a long tail and wings okay once again it's a dragon it's a a dragon it's a dragon it's It's a a dragon dragon. is it a dragon (laughs) it wasn't right the first time why would it be right any of the other times (laughs) news of her discovery traveled fast and scientists from london and paris theorized that this unknown specimen is the most rare and curious of all reptiles. Mm-hmm. When she found the first remains attributed to the, oh my, Demophorodon? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Sure. Demomorphodon, <laughs> yep. It was the first pterosaur mm-hmm. ever discovered outside of Germany. The name pterodactyl was later coined. Yeah. Yes. Unlike the ichthyosaurus and the plesiosaurus, the pterosaurus had wings and were believed to be the largest ever flying animal. Mm-hmm. People called it a flying dragon when it was displayed at the British Museum. After her taro her pterodactyl fine um she followed this up in 1829 with a fish skeleton gigantic okay. one okay. it's the uh, squall or uh, ja. <laughs> <laughs> is that a question <laughs> yes and a statement both very powerful the squall or mm-hmm. fish Suck it. I will be putting pictures with names up um, because that's going to be important to this. (laughs) (laughs) So that was in 1829. That was her last huge major discovery. Okay, okay, okay. Because 
it wasn't long. In 1847, Mary passed away. Whoa. Yeah. She was in, uh, she was only 47 at the time. Jesus. And from what we can tell uh, with different historical uh, documents and things like that, they believe that she died of breast cancer. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. Mary was not ever married. She um, lived to just search. She loved the sea. She loved the beach. She loved the thrill of discovery. Gotcha. She was living that salt life. She was living that salt life! (laughs) (laughs) Oh my god. I do have a few more facts about Mary. Um... But Mary had a friend growing up uh, from a teenager that she stayed in touch with. And this friend ended up becoming one of the most popular geologists of the time. His name is Henry de la Beche. Mm, Mm -hmm. Interesting. And Mary also contributed to the renaming of Bezoar stones. Okay. These are these circular swirly stones Mm -hmm. that are fossilized dino shit. Awesome. They were renamed as Copper Lights. That just, it makes me think of Joe Dirt when he thinks he finds the <laughs> meteorite. right? space poopy. <laughs> See that? Yeah, that's Telltale Side. Got the peanuts in it. Got the peanuts in it. <laughs> well, yeah, Mary was like, you see that? I got peanuts in it, as Dino do. Right. <laughs> so, like Probably I said. in it. That's how they knew. <laughs> For 47 years, Mary dominated the paleontology field without ever being truly recognized as the paleological genius she is. Hence why she was referred to as the Mozart of paleontology, Uh because it wasn't until posthumously she was recognized. Oh, and one more last fact for you. Okay. Sam... And listeners, are you familiar with the uh, nursery rhyme, she sells seashells down, down by, by the, the seashore? seashore? That's her? That's about Mary Anning. What the fuck? Yeah. <laughs> yes. So uh, she, the seashells she was selling down uh-huh. by the seashore were dino shits. No, she didn't sell dino <laughs> shits. She just helped rename dino shits. She was selling ammonites. She sells Sea shits down by the sea. Sea shits down by the seashore. Shells shells is better. Perfect. She sells sea shits down by the seashore. (laughs) (laughs) There you have it. The life of Mary Anning. A very short Mm. life of Mary Anning. (laughs) Yeah, well, great job, Cassie. Thank you so much for that. I love that. I learned today. I'm so glad. I'm happy that we were able to uh, do our our dinos together. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, Samuel, well, friend, I think it's time for Get That Shit. Get That Shit. All Are right. you ready? I am. I'm so ready. All right. So Wait, t- wait, wait, wait. I'm not ready. Okay, now I'm ready. Okay, so today on Get That Shit, I have for you, this is an Etsy shop. Their name is Pittsburgh Handicraft. Okay. 
And today I am recognizing them for their adorable handmade tiny crocheted triceratopses. <laughs> they are so freaking cute. These little cuties are handmade with love and care from a passionate uh, amugiri artist. Sure. It's a it's. A type of, oh, it's almost like origami, but it's with um, tactile. No, paper is tactile. Uh, textile? Yes. Thank you. With textiles. Gotcha. Uh, it, they are made of cotton wool. They are anywhere from an inch and a half to two inches tall. Okay. <laughs> and they can be machine washed on gentle, but do not dry them. Don't dry them in the right, dryer. Yeah, Just let them hang dry. Mm-hmm. They're uh, $6.99 and up, but make sure you get on over and you take a look at these tiny little triceratopses. I'm going to show Sam right now. Look at them. They're so cute. Uh, Pittsburgh Handicraft has tons of other things on there. Uh, It looks like they have some really cool uh, different skeletons that come in like rainbow colors and things like that for dinosaurs. Gotcha. Keychains. Uh, they have uh, just a ton of adorable little things. They have animals, uh, micro crochets. I don't know if anyone else is obsessed with like tiny things like I am, <laughs> but it, the the smaller the hey better. Now. <laughs> not you my love uh, you're you're great thank you you're great Th- thank you you're welcome <laughs> so make sure you check out pittsburgh handicraft on etsy i will be uh putting them up just so you guys can click on it so much easier oh i do want to say shout out to the archaeological show I listened to episode 140 about Mary Anning, and they also do a review of Ammonite, the movie. Um, oh, uh-huh. It, I do believe that they're a husband and wife, uh, and I, <laughs> they are hysterical. The husband <laughs> was not a fan of the movie, oh. but it's because he's like, I thought we were going to learn about this awesome fucking historical figure, and gotcha. then it was just like... Them trying to make her a lesbo like the whole time. <laughs> he was like, There's not a lot of talking. It's a very quiet movie. <laughs> Lots of long glances and stares. A lot of time behind a writing desk with yes. feather and ink. Oh my God. Pretty much. Pretty much. He's like, Long, sullen glances. That is what you get. <laughs> so, I'm shout just out. picturing the. Um, the fake trailer from Tropic Thunder oh with Robert God. Downey Jr. and yes. Tobey Maguire in it. <laughs> uh, the monk one. The yes. Satan's Alley. Yes. That's what it's called. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my God. And make sure you watch Tropic Thunder. Great movie. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. Yeah. So head on over to Pittsburgh Handicraft and check out the archaeological show if you guys have any uh, interest in that. All right. Cool. All righty. Sammy, well, I think we're going to wrap it up. All right. Sound good to you for our first wake and bake session? Yeah, sounds good. Love it, love it. Well, while you guys are looking for your tiny crocheted triceratopses and what have you, make sure that we are 
in your earballs. You can find us on all of the different streaming platforms, including Podbean, Hail Podbean, Apple Podcast, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, and you can find more on our Instagram bio. That's at GTS underscore podcast. While you're there, make sure to like, follow, and subscribe so we can continue to grow our shit. Check out our link tree to find our website, episode resources, and much, much more. You can always holler at us at GTS with Kaylee and Cassie at gmail.com. Make sure you're sending us your small businesses that you want to hype or topics that you don't want to do homework on. Alrighty. Well, I think that wraps us up for episode 39. 39. I know. The big 4-0 next time. Right. So, all right, We're my dudes. we going to get a convertible for the big 4-0. Yes, a big <laughs> Barbie convertible. That's what we can afford right now. <laughs> we'll get two so we can wear them as skates. Woo! Done. All right. Well, love you guys. Love and light. Love and light. We'll talk to you next time. Bye. Bye.